Hey, how about them Cubs? <laughs> yeah? See, you didn't have to be a baseball fan to like that game. That was an amazing game, you guys. How many of you saw that? I just want to see a raise of hands. Wasn't that a great game? For the rest of you, just take our word for it. It was really a tremendous game. If you weren't a Cub fan, at least you could be happy for them because that was just a great game. Come back to 3-1, take it. Anyway, inside your bulletin, you have a connection card here. It's a brown and white card. And we'd like to give you an opportunity now to fill it out. And especially if this is your first, second time here, we'd really enjoy receiving information from you. Also on the back, there's places you can check. And, and hopefully we'll catch that and we'll be able to contact you and, and, and help you out in any need that you have checked here on the back of the card. Okay, so while you do that, let me just look at the, what we have for announcement-wise. We have a college and young adults uh, shoebox packing party today at 1.30, uh, single adult dinner today at 5 o'clock. Anybody interested in that, please see me. And there are other announcements as you look down, uh, looking ahead to this week. Um, Realize that Andrew and myself will not be in the office this week, so just keep that in mind. And uh, Pastor Corey is actually on vacation till the end of this month. He'll be back here on the last Sunday of, of November. Okay? You know, I just want to mention to you, for some of you who may not realize this, on, on the back you have the, the Sunday worship notes, a place to take notes. and It's just basically uh, the text, and it gives space for you to write something down that maybe the Lord just kind of... Uh, speaks to you, kind of hits, a, hits your heart in some way. And, and you can write it down and you can take it home. But also realize on the back side of that, we have what they call home Bible study questions. And um, those questions are basically questions that refer to the text that going, that's going to be taught next Sunday. So, if, so even if you're not in a home Bible study, because they're going to meet and go through these questions, even if you're not in a home Bible study, you can read through the text and just uh, glance, at the, read, you know, glance at the questions and just get an uh, understanding of what the text is about for next Sunday. Okay, so that's a good way of just preparing your heart to receive from the Lord next Sunday during the teaching time here Sunday morning. All righty. Yeah, let's get rolling. If you have your Bible, I uh, invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 7 and 10. You know, as when we think of the book, this letter uh, from Paul to the church in Ephesus, uh, realize, uh, I mentioned before, this is a church that Paul spent quite a bit of time in. It was planted by uh, Priscilla and Aquila, but Paul pastored there for three years. And this was a, a, a you know, when you think about it, Paul spent more time initially in this church than any of the church he worked in when he first got there. And one of the reasons probably being is the importance of this church. This church was at a, a crossroads where there was a lot of trade. There's a lot of commercial activity. It was, uh, it, it housed, that area had the, the Temple of Diana, one of the seven wonders of the world as we see it today in, modern, in, in the modern world. And so this was a very important hub where there was a lot of cultures and, 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 and um, uh, different people crossing, having contact with one another. So this church that Paul started, uh, he, he saw as a really uh, a kind of a strategically important place. 
And so here we're going to continue in our study of, the, of this letter to the church in Ephesus. And uh, we're just going to read these, seven, these three verses, verses 7 through 10. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul wrote, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we continue in our journey here, just studying this, this letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus, we want to be able to step back and kind of our hearts and our minds to understand why Paul wrote these words. What was Paul's heart issue in regards to communicating these, these things to the believers there? And, and thusly, Father, we know that th those, those feelings, those intentions are, are the same ones you have for us today. So bless us with this, uh, this study, and uh, we just pray that we be able to take home the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood where I was, uh, um, it just so happened that the kids that were in my neighborhood at the time I was young, I was the youngest. Uh, I was the youngest, and so when the guys would get together in my neighborhood, and back in those days, we played on the street and did all that kind of stuff, you know, we didn't sit home and wiggle our thumbs. And, <laughs> and I remember, one, I was never included in any of the guys' activities, you know, because I was the youngest one, and I didn't get the little kid out of here. But one day they were playing stickball on the street. You guys know what stickball is? It means you're too cheap to have a baseball bat. And basically you're using a broom handle, and you're using anything round to throw as a ball. And, and so back in those days, we used a tennis ball and a broom handle, and they were short on one player. And so one of the captains said, hey, Rick, come on, you, 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 come over here. I was just sitting on the curb watching. He said, come on, Rick, get over here. You're on my team. Okay, so they, and so they put me in a position where they figure I couldn't do any harm, so they put me at pitcher. So here I'm pitching, I'm, I'm pitching this tennis ball underhand, and just so up, up at bat, just so happens, is the biggest kid in the neighborhood. And this big old kid has this, this broom handle, and he whacks at the, and that ball, that tennis ball goes right straight back into my left eye. And I'm just black and blue like that, and that's why I wear glasses today. It really is. That's why I have to wear glasses. But when I think back at that day, man, I thought, man, I felt so good to feel included. You guys know how that is, huh? To feel, feel included, to say, come on, join us. You know, that's a big part of our text today. Our text today deals with the whole idea of Paul talking to the Christians in Ephesus and saying, hey, you guys, you guys are our uniquely handpicked community. And, and God wants to entrust to you information. He wants to entrust to you things that he's not entrusting to the rest of the world. Because you are personally involved. It's going to involve you, but it's going to deal with the whole future of the human race. This morning, we're going to return to this letter Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and we're going to read about 
our redemption. When I say our, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about our redemption. Now, if you haven't taken that step of faith in believing in Christ, but you're here, we're really thankful you're here. And, and may the Lord just speak to you, and may you understand that behind all this that we're talking about today is that God loves you. So we're going to talk about the redemption of the Christian and also God's plan for his church. So let's look at verse 7 again. Let's get back to Ephesians 1, starting with verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on... Oh, I stop there. Riches of God's grace. Let's just stop right there. That's, that's verse 7. Let's look at this word redemption. What do you think of when you see redemption? You know, sometimes we think of how much you have to pay extra for that case of water at Costco, right? We have to pay that tax, that fee for that plastic, okay? But redemption, generally speaking, when we think of redemption of a person, it means freedom. It's freedom. It's God's forgiveness of your sins. It's God's forgiveness of your wrongdoing. It has to do with, with your life in the past. It has to deal with your life right now. It has to deal with your life in the days to come. Forgiveness isn't redemption. Forgiveness of our wrongdoings is a result. Uh, excuse me. Forgiveness isn't redemption, but forgiveness comes as a result of the redemption we receive in Christ Jesus. And the bottom line is that Christ paid for your forgiveness. He paid for your redemption. He's like paid that tax that you got to pay for that extra plastic bottle you have in your bag. He paid it. It's God's power. When we talk about redemption, it's like picture a chain. You're chained to, to whatever it might be and, and God comes and goes whack with an axe and just breaks that chain. Because there are things in our life that drag us down and hold us back. Think about it. Just, just for a second, think about your life. There's things that, you ever had guilt? You ever feel guilt in such a way it kind of just pulls you down on the inside? You ever have an addiction, something that you're doing over and over and over again, but when you really thought about it, it really was not healthy? You ever have personal tendency? You have a personal tendency in your life. We can talk about a, a habitual, maybe human flaw that appears in your life, and it does a lot more harm than it does help in your life. See, God in this whole idea of redemption, this whole idea of freeing, is God's power. He's saying, I'm going to give you power. If you come to me, I'm going to give you power to cut that chain and to move forward from that. When I was a Boy Scout leader, I was a Boy Scout for a lot of years. And then as an adult, I was a leader. But when I was a Boy Scout, a Boy Scout, a kid, uh, one of the things we used to love doing is that when a new kid would come in, and a lot of the you know, new kids were you know, really young kids, when we go on a hike, we'd, we'd put a lot of big rocks in his backpack. And so he's carrying this extra weight on the back going up the trail, and we're just giggling and laughing to ourselves. And, by, and then when we finally get to our destination, we say, look at this. And we flip open the backpack, and we show him what is in his backpack, and we all laugh, and he's all mad, or maybe he laughs with us, whatever. But the bottom line, when we talk about redemption, it is like taking the rocks out of your life backpack. Those inner things which can hold you back. 
And how does this happen? Look what it says in verse 7. It happens how? Through his blood, through, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption through his blood. You know, life is blood. Blood is, is life, right? You don't have blood, you don't have life. But in this case, when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're not just talking about, about, about earthly life. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the Son of God gave up his life so that we can be free. He redeemed us. He paid the price. He paid the ransom demanded of our wrongdoings. Which resulted in what? Verse 7. It resulted in forgiveness in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Forgiveness. You know, that's a big word. That's a huge word if you need it. And Beloved, we all need it in God's eyes, but a lot of us don't understand that. But you do understand when you do feel a need for someone to forgive you. See, humanly speaking, we're not good forgivers. You may think you are. You may think you forgave that offense. But humanly speaking, we're not really good forgivers. We're kind of like, you ever think of your very favorite shirt or blouse? And you get a nasty gravy stain on that. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite. So you try to wash it out. You want to wash out that stain. And you do a pretty good job. But there's just a little hint, maybe faded spot there. Now when you wear that shirt or blouse, no one else notices it. But when you look in the mirror, your eyes are going to zero in on it and you're going to notice it. And you know what? You're going to remind, you'll be reminded of that offense. And certain emotions are going to rise in you. But see, praise God, God is not like us. Paul is trying to communicate in a big way to this church in Ephesus, to these Christians, these young, early Christians in this stage of of, of his ministry. He's saying God is not like that. God's grace is so infinite, so limitless, so boundless, that because God is not like that, All the things that we do that are contrary to how God wants you to be, he will forgive. All you have to do is ask him. He will forgive it. Like, I, I, this is how I picture it. I do stupid stuff all the time, and I repeat stupid stuff. You can ask my kids. Don't you dare stand up and say anything, you guys. But I repeat doing stupid stuff. I repeat thinking things I shouldn't think. I, re- I, I repeat saying things I shouldn't say. And I like to think that when I do this, God looks down and says, oh, Rick, man, you're at it again. But he's going to help me understand that I am. And I'm going to say, Lord, hey, forgive me and help me to do better. And so when that opportunity comes up, when I'm at, the, at that kind of crossroads of, of having the opportunity to say those things, think those thoughts, do that action, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to be better. I'm going to improve. I'm going to grow. See, that's Christianity. And, it's, and we can do that because we are redeemed. We are free to live a different life than the life we have been living. 
We're free from that, from that thing that's been pulling us down all these years. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, it says that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You know, we sometimes, in my family, we sometimes have family meetings. Like just a few weeks ago, we had a family meeting. I call, I call my three kids, I get my wife together, we sit down at the table and we talk about something. And we share about a certain thing and get feedback from, on certain things. But there are some things I don't want my children there. It's just my wife and I, because we have a privileged relationship one with another. And I want you to understand, I know Paul wants the Ephesians and, and uh, the Ephesian Christians to understand that we have a privileged relationship with God as his children. God wants us to have intelligence into his insight, his thinking, his plan for not only the church, but even the world. Look at verse 9. And he made known to us. See, this is here it comes. He's saying, you're, Paul's saying, hey, you guys are privileged. You guys are special. You guys have a, this relationship with God. You're his child. 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now, this mystery from God is not mystical. But it speaks to plans that were set long before the earth was even created. But these are plans that deal with us, his church, and plans that deal with, 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 with really mankind. Plans that he didn't share with all those incredible heavy hitter prophets and, 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 and spiritual leaders of the Old Testament. Think about it. Think of the Old Testament. If you've been in Sunday school, you, know, you, got, your, you got your David, you got your Moses, you got your Abraham, you got your Ezekiel, all these people, all these big superstars of the Old Testament. They got little glimpses of what was going to happen. But when Jesus Christ was born in a manger, when events and teachers started to gel with his arrival, then us, through faith in him, this is God's time. This is his good pleasure. This, according to his good pleasure, he is now revealing these things open to us, and we read about it in his Bible in the New Testament. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we're special. It's kind of like, let me ask you a question. How many of you knew that I got a new kitten in my house last week? You know why you didn't? Because it doesn't involve you. See, God is revealing this to his children, and Paul is expressing this to the Ephesians because, man, it involves you. This is, you, you're one of God's privileged. These are things he's not telling anyone else. He's just telling you. And that, I hope, that makes you feel special. Because you are. You are special in God's eyes. You are so special that his son died for you. Look at verse 10. 
to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Election Tuesday. You guys feeling good? Guys just can't wait to punch that card? No, it's not, it's that marking that card, huh? that little marker thing. You know, I, I had um, uh, dinner with a friend of mine uh, not that long ago. And this friend of mine is very political. This friend of mine is really sharp. He, uh, he keeps up on so many different things that are going on. He, I sit and listen to him, and half the time I, I don't even understand what he's talking about. But, you know, in the end, he, he just comes up with all these summaries. And basically, uh, during the conversation, he's telling me on how tough our, our world situation is. He's telling me how it just, it just blows him away on, on, the, on the, the corruption we have going on, on how our financial system in the United States is, is so uh, um, leaning toward to favor the greedy. And he talks about how there's a lack of our, our leadership, really good leadership in our country, and the rising powers in the world that hate America. And he's, he's just going on and on and on. And then he says, you know what? I, I'm really toying with moving out of the country. I said, really? And I know he has an opportunity to do that. He has an opportunity to move to a country that he's been visiting and to actually stay there for most of the year, maybe just come back and just take care of property and things here once in a while. But he's talking like that. You know, when, when he, he talks about things like that, I am... I read verses like this, and let me read it again. Here we have in verse 10, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Man, this verse is just a wonderful verse because in light of what I just shared with you from this friend of mine, this is talking about that man is not the ultimate controller of the future. That God who loves you, that God who loves me, that already demonstrated how much he loves us, that God, the creator of the universe, he is the one who ultimately is in control. And this verse is saying that God knows when it's coming. He's already got it marked in his calendar book. We just don't know it. But that day is going to finally get to us today, to someday down the future, where it says that Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Think about it. That's amazing. Think of the hardest person that you know. Think of the people around you and your family and your friends, your neighborhood, people who don't know Jesus. And when you think of them, they are just light years away from believing in the stuff that we're talking about this morning. The day is going to come when it says, even that person is going to confess, oh my gosh, this stuff is real. See, it's all in God's timing. God has complete control in this. Complete control. 
So when we read this letter from, the, from Paul to the, to the Ephesians, to the believers there in Ephesus, Paul, we got to think back. Why did Paul write these things? He wanted to encourage them. Because in Ephesus too, there was, time, there was corruption. There was oppression. There were hardships and things that seemed so unjust happening around them. And Paul said, hey, wait a minute, you guys. Just realize, because of your faith in Jesus, have hope. Understand that Jesus is the Lord of lords. And be encouraged. Keep moving forward, knowing that God is going there before you. And that's, beloved, his message for us this morning too. Okay? Let's pray. Father, as we, are, we read this, these timely words from Paul, and, um, and knowing that right now we're preparing our minds and hearts to receive the elements, uh, we pray, Father, that you will just calm our hearts and, and help us to focus on you and remember just the wonderful love you have for us that you sent Jesus to, to die on the cross and to shed his blood. In Jesus' name, amen.